and welcome to the latest episode of the HCSA Supplycast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Bit of a change to our usual format, I'll be hosting today's podcast. For those who don't know me, I'm Keith Rowley, Chief Officer for the HCSA. The reason for the break in tradition is we're turning the tables on our normal resident podcast hosts. So Bruce Ackland joins me on the other side of the mic. Hello. Welcome, Bruce. How does it feel being on the other side of the mic? Very weird. The tables have turned and the shoe is on the other foot. Or whatever, or whatever no longer is, the so. Spanish Inquisitioner. No. <laughs> Good intro. You've been listening to my intros. I know. And, uh, I did script it out, to be fair. You've been studying my intros. And <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what Read Aloud can do and get you right. <laughs> so welcome. So yeah. let's start. You're the HCSA communications group guru, guru. a normal host guru. of the HCSA supply mm-hmm. <laughs> So I wanted to start off, how do you get into comms marketing? What brought you into that? I started off as a freelance writer and then um, I, I, I took my uh, journalism training. And uh, so I was a journalist for many, many years. Yeah, um, that involved, um, you know, I did news journalism for um, Mirror Group newspapers. Uh, so I did a lot of stuff on, for them regionally. And basically, I was there for a long time. Then I became um, a, an editor. So I moved into kind of like business, um, tech journalism, stuff like that. And then worked for Euromoney, which is a big sort of business magazine publishers in uh, St. Paul's in London. And while I was there, I was editor. And um, I just, uh, to be honest with you, the reason why I came into sort of PR and comms is because you deal with a lot of people. When you're a journalist, obviously, a lot of comms people, a lot of PR people. And uh, part of it was just, I was kind of like me and actually someone that I worked with used to say, it would be a good idea if more PR comms people did come from a journalistic background, because they kind of knew to a large degree who, for the most part, they were trying to like interact with and communicate with. Yeah. So uh, it was always something I quite fancied potentially going over into. And then to be quite honest with you, the, the other part of why I wanted to go into PM and comms was just to give myself a little bit more time at home because at the time at um, when I was at Euromoney, uh, I had a, uh, my first child came along and I didn't really see a lot of her the first 10 months because of just like, you know, working, you know, just, you know. It's quite so, a in profession journalism, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Hours and- it can be, especially if you're traveling a lot and that sort of thing. So it was a life work balance thing as well. Um, I wanted to be able to work from home quite a bit. You know, obviously I travel for meetings or pre-COVID I kept travel to meetings and obviously less so now because everything's done much like we're talking now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, part of it was like was life work balance. And the other part was that I, I fancied uh, going over to it and giving it a go. I still do some writing for some people. Um, and obviously part of my of my PR and com, com stuff is doing a lot of writing as I do now obviously so it's that's the other side of it as well it means that I you know I'm a trained journalist so I, I you know so I know how to write. the mirror group then so you said you did some quite big like, mm. it's a big group mirror group mm. um major news organization mm. any particular standout moments of yeah I mean when I was in Kent uh we had that there was things like for example there was the Chilling the Murders, Linda Megan Russell. Right. Which are a very big, obviously, national story. They went on for years. Michael Stone uh, obviously went down for that, but there's people who still think that maybe he didn't he didn't do it. He's still trying to get 
to get out. There was that. There was a few. So that that was a big one because obviously there's been numerous wow. documentaries, books, and everything written about that. Yeah. So covering that was was quite an experience. They were in kind of like they were quite near from where we were, so most people knew that family quite well at the time. So so that was a really big one. The other thing was that because it was quite a big rural area, we had things like that was the area where you know remember during the big foot and mouth outbreak. Yeah. Uh, whenever that was, like maybe. 15 years ago or something now the um livestock that i think came over if i remember correctly i think it came over from from the netherlands that actually brought foot and mouth to the uk was ended up being like a quite a local farmer uh, um, in your area yeah so we went to uh we went to interview him me and the photographer and i was literally about I think it was, a lot, it was something like about four or five days away from actually leaving that job because I'd been being offered another job. And uh, we turned up at the at the farm because we just, you know, needed to get a few shots. You were booted and scrubbed and all that because it was a bit like COVID, wasn't it? it well, was, you had to wear, you had to uh, go through sanitizers well, and all that kind of stuff. We were you? staying in the car and sort of going around the sort of track around it. So at that point, we was, we, we was okay to just go as we were. We, we turned up there and um, like a bit like something out of a film or something, literally, we were greeted by an heroic farmer with a shotgun and <laughs> a shotgun at us through, through the car window. It was like a it was like a sort of, you know, like a bad uh, American cop movie, because I literally turned to the photographer and said, man, in four days, I'm, I'm retired. It's making me think it's yeah, deliverance. You, know I mean? you can yeah. sort of come out with a guitar to deliver. It was like, you know, I'm four days away from a time and it's not worth it. <laughs> you know, what <laughs> I mean? um, it's not worth going down now. It's too late. Um, so I just turned to him and said, just get out of it. This ain't worth it. And um, so we uh, we, we kind of like sped off. And what happened was the um, local NFU, National Farmers Light Union, contacted me because um, they'd heard about it. Somehow it got back to them. And they said, look, we would really like it if you didn't report on this because this guy is just under a lot of pressure yeah. with everything that's happened and everything. And but being being like a, a sort of a, you know, a journalistic head on, I said, well, that's fine, but can we get can we get a proper interview with him, proper interview with him, you know, calm, without shotguns, <laughs> without the threat of death, and... Uh, <laughs> And we can, uh, and we can, uh, and that will be fine. I mean, that we'll agree? Now, we'll do that. They agreed, and I did then have to get, go and get the the suits on the, uh, you know, whatever they are, anti biological suits or whatever they are. So I had to get this big white thing on and special, you know, things over your shoes and everything like yeah. that. And um, I did this really weird interview with this guy over his sort of main farm fence. Because I still wasn't allowed to go on the, I was on the land, but I wasn't able to go on beyond the the fence. Yeah, they didn't want you going in, spreading, um, did they? Moving back. And to be fair, you know, obviously the guy had a tough time because a very tough time because they'd had to put down all of his livestock, and then they'd uh, and that also included things like some rabbits that um, lived outside that were his, like kids' pets that they had to put down as well because of it. Mm. So he'd had a like he'd had a rough old he had had a rough time of it. And so we did it in the end, and uh, and then that got print uh, that got printed on the front page. I think it was something like across the barrier. <laughs> some really cheesy headline. Um, when you report, you're not responsible for the headlines, and uh, it said something like across the barricades. I think was the thing. So yeah, I mean, quite a lot of things like that. There was also like a hospital scandal at the local hospital. There was one of the big smears death scandals 
that came out at the time, you know, with people being told wrongly. You know, most journalists end up writing about virtually everything over the course of a, over the course of things. Um, so yeah, so I did things like healthcare over um, to do with like health stories from local like trust there, and I did, and then I wanted to do tech stuff, but I did I covered courts, I covered, um, I did inquests as well. I did about yeah. two hundred inquests as well. Um, yeah I mean it's um it depends what, what you get I mean it's quite you'd sort of go in and then you wouldn't really know what was what was going to be coming up so you'd sit in there and they'd bring in you know like uh, uh people would come in with stories we told and they could be all sorts of things there was like re- really sadly you had things like you had a lot of suicides obviously had to go to inquest but then you'd get things like car crashes and people that died in car crashes um you, you also got some like medical negligence ones as well and right. so you had like a whole sort of you know you had a whole raft of things but um you know it's classic stuff you get you get sent along to do so, so yeah how did you that get out of that then so you left that because you wanted to find a better work-life balance did you kind yeah, of know I was, what you were doing how did that lead to the HSA? Well, I, I'd, I'd moved i'd also moved back to london so i was looking for something that was directly based in London. Um, so that was where I ended up in, that was where I ended up uh, at Reed business. And then, um, yeah. And then after that, I went to um, the Euro money. Um, and yeah. And that's when I made the decision to go into sort of comms more. more what what did you take a step? Cause you, went, you came to HSA. I'm interested to understand how you got to us and what was between that in that so, transition. So, um, yeah, it's a kind of a, um, there, there is a linkage, you know, when I was working at Reed for um, one of the magazines at Reed, um, sorry, one of the magazines at Euromoney, uh, one of the companies that I knew was a, a company that, uh, that, that worked with them was also um, had a foot in the healthcare sector. So it had a sector in like our industry yeah. and they had a sector in, the healthcare industry and so I got to know about them I started doing some work for them and I kind of that was when I first kind of came in contact with HCSA who was aware of before I started working for HCSA because um the company would 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 go to their events and I'd do things like the usual kind of promo stuff I do now I do for them Oh, because they were attending HCSE events. So I was aware of HCSA. I knew what they, they, were, they were doing. And then the reason I came to HCSA is because when the whole COVID thing went off and the whole PPE thing went, went off, I was contacted. It was Rachel Coley at the time um, about coming on board to help um, because things had come a lot more. I mean, it, they wanted help in general. But yeah. I think that was the thing that the catalyst was saying, well, now is probably the time to get help in because also we need help dealing with this, you know. This and you come across Rachel through our up. events and process, had you? No, that was the first time. Um, there was a, I, I knew of some people just through like, like I say, just through doing um, promotional stuff for, for um, the com- this company joining HCSA, going to HCSA events. And... Um, but then when I got the email, I was aware of who HCSA were and I was aware of their events and that. Um, and they said about it and I said, yeah, sure, let's have a chat. And I think I spoke to Rachel and I spoke to um, Kath Ibbotson. And I think I then sort of once they were kind of like, oh, yeah, that, this all sounds good. I think I then spoke to Simon 
Walsh. Um, legend that is the legend that is Simon Walsh, um, who is like you know, Simon is like extraordinarily welcoming. And then I think I then had a chat with Alan, and I always joke with Alan that Alan Hoskins, that um, who was you know, uh, chief uh, chief exec at the time, wasn't he? Yeah. And I always joke with Alan that when the the famous Alan tweet, <laughs> which. He sent a tweet. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think he'll mind, but he sent a tweet, which got quite a lot of coverage, you know, in a low moment, he sent a tweet, that got a lot of coverage. And um, I always, and every now and again, someone will say something. I'll say, that's probably, that was the tweet that probably, if it wasn't for that tweet, I might not be here. <laughs> <laughs> it probably set on the road of, <laughs> we need to, you know what I mean? When someone needs to be in overall control of this stuff. I must say actually, um, how uh, extraordinarily welcoming Rachel Coley, Kathy Bitsin, and Tiny were, uh, Tiny Hilly were, at, um, at the time, made it very easy to get involved, made it very easy to feel at home. So, yeah, I'll always be thankful for them. And Simon, who was always, uh, you know, on the phone, making sure you're okay, do you have everything you need, blah, 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 blah. He was terrific as, as well. <clears throat> and Alan. So, yeah, so everyone was just really great and very welcoming, which was, which was awesome. You're very much part of the furniture now. Yeah, any regrets enjoying it? No, not at all. Um, uh, do you know what? I absolutely love the stuff that I do for HCSA, and and you don't always love the stuff you do for everyone. You know, you know some of it you go, know, you know. <laughs> um, I'm just checking. I hope no one else is listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> all right, those I, won't, I won't be sharing it. I won't be sharing it on my my personal WhatsApp groups. Um, no, I mean, sometimes over the course of it, you do some stuff and it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a, you know, you don't maybe entirely look forward to it. But yeah, I feel, I tell you, I feel very sort of, apart from everything else, I feel very, you know, committed to what we're doing. I hate CSA. And that has a lot to do with how I was working at the beginning, but not just that, but just the, the stuff I've become involved in as, as we've gone along. There's something quite moralistic about being involved in health, I think, and particularly procurement, where you kind of got this accountability for money mm. for money and the public purse you know, you're spending taxpayers money aren't you so it sort of feels like there's a a moral moral duty and responsibility i think it's, it's a vocational thing isn't it i think one of the things yeah. doing doing supply cast has shown me that there's a heavy vocational thing that not everyone has about their about their jobs you know and um it really comes over you know if i think about things that I've really have struck me doing all these supply casts, doing 50 of them now, which is why you're talking to me. Um, <laughs> uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things that stand out, which are not usual for all like, industries. Yeah. Um, well, I quite like the fact, I've said this before in the podcast, I like the fact that everybody can name someone who is a mentor to them. You know, they go like, oh, did, did you have like a mentor? Did you have someone who was particularly important to your career that you think of now and think, oh, he's, he or she took me under their wing and, and kind of like showed me the ropes, um, took an interest in, you know, getting me set up, getting make, helping me progress in the early years, that sort of thing. Um, everybody straight away of uh, rolling off the tip of their tongue has a name for who that is. You know, that is not, that is unusual for many industries. Most industries wouldn't say that. I'll be honest with you, I couldn't say it 
in my career, if someone's, if you asked me that same question. Really? I was, yeah, well, I, yeah. it was one of the questions I had on my list. Yeah, actually, right. But... No. <laughs> <The> answer, <laughs> never I can't to. think of anyone. I, I kind of, I'm kind of someone that's always just kind of been my own driving force. Um, I don't think I would point to anybody that I felt was a key mentor person for me. So I suppose that's one of the reasons why when I talk to people you know, connected with the NHS procurement, it really stands out that people actually do have a commitment and passion to the job and that the people around them are very much the same. And um, it just, it just for someone like me, it just makes you even more committed to doing the job that I do in trying to uh, it, it play my role in, um, in, in helping those people through HCSA. Well, I'm very grateful to have you. You're doing a cracking job and thank you very much. So, Bless you. This that bit, I won't be editing out that bit. <laughs> that was the bit we were going to tell you to cut. Yeah, that and the bit you've got to cut back in that Alan was your key mentor because he's somewhat he'll be somewhat mortified. That, 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 um, <laughs> when, I, when I said when I'm talking about mentor, when I'm talking about mentor, I mean sort of at the beginning of my career yeah, back career in the day. Um, if I was talking about yeah, since I've been at HSA, well, this is the point I'm making, isn't it? Since I've been at HSA, everyone wants to help everyone's very uh welcome everyone's been there there to help do you know what i mean the vibe is the, the vibe it, has been brilliant it's interesting you describe it in that way because healthcare is a caring profession by by definition mm. isn't it yeah and, and to some degree you're kind of reflecting that in, the, in what you describe yeah. and i do think it comes through i think it is a family thing isn't it it's, yeah you, it definitely does vocation it, it it's it's more than just a a paycheck and a job isn't it yeah and i'm not just sort of saying that to say that because otherwise i wouldn't say that i wouldn't have to i don't have to say <laughs> that but um i've said it on the podcast a lot of times it really stands out to me and i've right. dealt with almost most industries i've uh, been involved in or talked to people within and, and uh there's definitely something very different about this community in well, a positive way hopefully it's something we can continue to build on through that mm. so it'd be really good and yeah yeah so what have you learned since getting involved in HCSA and, and NHS procurement? What have you learned about it? Since I think the number one thing is probably what I just said, actually. I think what, I think the number one thing is probably, yeah, just the just how um, very uh, committed, personally committed, every, what, everybody that I speak to is, literally everyone. There's no one who seems to be just casually going about their work in NHS procurement. So I think it's that. I think that's that's the overwhelming thing that, that that I see that you don't necessarily always see in other industries and other mm. communities. Interesting. Mm. Well, you, one of your key roles for HCSA is kind of doing the podcast, isn't it? Mm. So you're kind of like becoming the Michael Parkinson, some might say, of uh, HCSA and the NHS procurement. <laughs> <laughs> so you get a great opportunity to meet a lot of different, talented, yeah. wonderful people. Mm. Any, any particular standout? This will feel like a cop-out. But um, I think everyone I've found, I've sort of taken something from. I think everyone in, in some way I've found, because I've been fortunate enough to do people at whole different levels, haven't I? I've done suppliers, I've done people. Well, it's 50, the, isn't it? That's, yeah. That was the, as you said just yeah. a moment ago, it was the whole purpose. We're flipping this on its head. Yeah. We've had, we've done 50, so it's a bit of a landmark, isn't it? So I've done people from right at the very top, you know, of, of the, you know, from the centre, you know, so I've done, Obviously, I've done Priya Bailey a couple of times. 
Um, then I've done suppliers, you know, I've done um, a lot of art. I don't want to start naming more in case I mess someone out. I get nervous, but you know, I've done most of the corporate partners who obviously do a brilliant job supporting HTSA. Talking to corporate partners, I think it's, it's I, I really enjoy talking to those suppliers like corporate partners as well. Um, so that was really good. Um, I recently did uh, Andrew Daly. That's always good talking to Andrew. He's um, entertaining to chat to, but he's just everything he says is so worthwhile. And I know that it, that members are. You know, as I said to him on the podcast, the trust they place in him, obviously, yeah. as well. Um, Hempson's is, is, is a I mean, is he a always gets a very good, as well. good view from a conference, yeah, he? yeah, yeah. He does, and you can tell people just trust what he's saying, you know. And he, he has a very good way of cutting through the the rubbish and the red tape and the gobbledygook, and people trust what he says. So, talking to him was great. I love talking to the, the more junior stroke future leader uh, types. Yeah, some um, fascinating talent, interesting. Yeah, I, I love doing that because that's a big part of what we're doing at HSA and what I'm doing at HSA to 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 engage those people. So talking to people, you know, like Ayla Draper, Joel Rocker, you know, Sophie Lilliman, all all, the, all, all those kinds of people um, is is great. So to so be able to take many you know, more to do, hopefully, level. and getting up, yeah, the numbers, and we can we can do more of those, and hopefully yeah. soon we'll be we'll be flipping it again to do the 100 mark 100 marks yeah if you if you could choose anyone in the world to interview on a podcast have you got anybody that you'd really really want to get on a podcast do you know i'd love to interview but i can't anymore because sadly recently died is sean connery because i love because i love sean connery yeah i loved sean connery as an actor also i thought he was an interesting guy Lovely Scottish um, accent and yeah, you know, and now you sort of think like you sort of think to yourself, oh, maybe it should be like a, you know a politician or a humanitarian or something like that. But um, uh, that was always someone that I would love to have interviewed um, to explore his career and what it was about. Career was and also he was like a you know his sort of Scottish ties were quite interesting. He's got quite a history of um, contributing charitably, didn't he, to Scottish charities that were around people in schools and sort of stuff like that so I just found his uh so I just think that would be quite interesting I think also just the fact that you've got a working class Scott who became like such a huge Hollywood star I just think all of that would be quite and he didn't really lose that working class Scottish aesthetic and way of thinking you know so I think that I suppose I'm quite interested I suppose when people um maintain their background you know even if they go right up the top of the ladder I think I find that quite interesting. How do you manage to do that? Yeah. So I think I think that would have been that would have been pretty pretty interesting. So you get quite a unique perspective of procurement supply chain. What what changes have you noticed since joining the HCSA in, in terms of where the profession's going? And you've been with us a couple of years. Obviously, PPE yeah. was a key part. COVID was a big part of it when you started. I think probably the main thing that has happened since I've been here, and <clears throat> I suppose it was one of the uh positives as you could put it that way to come out of a really bad situation with covid is acknowledgement of nhs procurement recognition which, yeah, kind of that kind of yeah recognition yeah, and acknowledgement yeah. that they even exist because i think that you know i think before i think it would be fair to say and just people that i've spoken to and that that it was very much still like something that was in the background pushed right into the background that people often didn't think about so i think two things is there's been an acknowledgement almost of the profession 
because of the PPE stuff. And then then recognition, which has come through things. I know that the then health secretary, um, Matt Hancock, actually name-checking the NHS community in a video that we actually put on our social channels at the time in one of those um, daily updates that there was at the time, at that strange time. So I think it's that. I just think it pushed um, it, it pushed them into the spotlight, which can be a good or bad thing, depending on how you handle it. Certainly the HCSA, I like, it's a difficult thing for me to say because I was involved in how it was handled when they were in the spotlight. <laughs> I think they did that brilliantly. I don't know who was, in, I don't know who was advising. <laughs> well, but no, but no um, I, I think that um, that period of acknowledging the profession almost for the first time, I mean, wider government, but also public um, and news, really, for the first time, really acknowledging and, and, and understanding what it was all about, um, I thought was handled really well. Um, but I think that's the main thing. I think now people are aware of the job that's done, how difficult it is, the commitment that is involved to do it, to be able to do it, the pressure. I think everyone is now aware of that now that I think probably they weren't before. Yeah. You've got quite a pivotal role within HSA to help help raise that and keep that there and keep mm. that visibility and keep building on it to 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 drive the success of the profession. Have you got any thoughts or reflections of that contribution and how, how that can be taken forward over the coming days, weeks, months and years? Yeah, so I think that I think a lot of the stuff that we're trying that, that we're doing at HCS now that you know, me and um you know, Alan, I work very close with Alan Hoskins now, who's been, who is a, a really good guy to work with because he's obviously got so much experience. He's going to love that plug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got, he's got a lot of experience there. And it's like, I mean, I tell you what, it's like I said before, it, it's really good because I was surrounded by a lot of the, the team. There's a lot of experience in the team, you know, and that's been really good. So whether I've been um, talking about sort of, you know, even if it's talking about wider issues, obviously around stuff like the events and et cetera, talking with, you know, Kathy Eberson about that, talking to Mark Eberson about the L&D stuff, talking to, um, you know, Alan about all the general stuff. Um, when, when Before you as chief exec, Keith, we used to have you on the panel. It was yeah. really good. Um, Richard. I'm glad to hear you mention that. It's, been, it's taken you 15, yeah. 20 minutes. Talking <laughs> 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 to you on that. Talking to um, you know Richard White, uh, Richard Whiteside, who is just the most, again, amenable person. You know, if you if you need you know to ask about anything, and uh, I think the first time I actually got to go to the HCSA Winter Conference was last year's one because of COVID. So the one before that was was virtual, wasn't it? And uh, I had a really long chat during the during that conference with Richard about stuff in which we we spoke about how things should be moving forward and 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 things like the fact that we need to get new blood increasingly involved amongst membership and that, which is something yeah. that is a core Mem- thing. Membership's rising, but it's, it's increasing. Yeah. And that's positive, but it, yeah, it's, it's got to re- be a reflection of the contribution, it, hasn't it? And, and yeah. how we engage and communicate. And Yeah, it's really it's really great to see that. I've been lucky to have a good, good that kind of great team around us, which I think where everyone seems to be, you know, essentially, which is good, people are on the same page of what the key areas are. Things like, um, obviously, when you came in as chief exec, Richard Weiss became deputy chief officer, 
And um, I keep saying chief exec, same thing. <laughs> and Clara came in as deputy chief officer. And what Clara's doing with the women in procurement as well, these are all, it's really good because all those things that we put down key areas to address going forward are actually happening. They're not just kind of like ideas that were just sort of st- stuck in the ether. They're things that are being, that are being pro- progressed. And, and also it's, it's, what's, what's great is, I know when we was at recently at, PH England and um, Priya was there and she was talking about she was talking about the women in procurement thing and what Clara Pennell is doing with uh, Emma James there on that. That's good. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. And she was very sort of keen and talking about, you know, the involvement of that. So yeah, Clara and Emma are, you know, this, what they've put into getting that stuff set up as well. It's um well, there's a number it's of other great. initiatives we need to take forward. So com- communication is going to be a key part of that. But coming up, we've, you mentioned Winter Conference. We've got a Winter Conference coming up. Mm. So, yeah, getting the due diligence plug. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's up on the 22nd and 23rd of November. I think the, the website's up and live, isn't it? So bookings can be taken. Just, yeah, just we've just into. announced Chris Ryan, haven't we, as the motivational speaker as well. I understand you had a bit of a hand in that as well. You were a bit of a key pivotal role to, yeah, to I had securing a Chris Ryan. Very connection to to try to get getting him on board yeah which was great to do tell us a bit more about that connection nice little story there so my um my cousin he kind of works in the media a lot and he got to know chris ryan uh i'm trying how did he get to know him i think he knew him because he had he was a guest on something that my cousin was on because he was telling me some some sort of stories about like um that he'd been in contact with Chris when the whole COVID thing came up and said, you know, how should I prepare with, for lockdowns and things like that, you know? And so he was talking to him about it. When it came up then at this winter conference about that, we obviously had a budget for it yeah. that we wanted to try and keep to or try and, you, you know, get under if possible. Um, it wasn't an so, easy task, was it? <laughs> no. But um, so I said, well, look, I can contact him because I do have an, uh, I have an in there to, to his people. And, you know, fair play to Chris. I said, this is the budget. Now, one of the reasons why Chris wanted to do it and came in under what he would normally be um, to have him as a motivational speaker is because he was really, in, you know, he was engaged with doing some stuff for the for that part of the healthcare community. You know, obviously the army had been involved at times with PPE, logistics stuff as well uh, really looking it's forward great. to seeing him mm. listening to him speak about resiliency moving on to sort of lighter things I, I believe you've got quite a close link with animals animals yeah yeah i understand <laughs> you might have close ties with hsa family members through close name connections with Do mr I? roscoe's dog bruce oh yes that's right <laughs> that's right i think the two most shocking things because obviously i interviewed i interviewed mark roscoe i i mark roscoe is again another interview I really liked. Our illustrious Os- chairman. Yeah, illustrious and Yorkshireman. And Yorkshireman. Well, this is the thing. The two most shocking things was the fact that A, he's got a dog called Bruce, <clears throat> and B, he's not actually he's not actually technically Welsh, which is unbelievable. Um, so I remember talking to uh, uh, Keir Warner, who's uh, I like to think of as a friend of mine now in procurement. Uh, Keir is would have been my would have been almost equal the most welsh person i thought i'd ever met along with mark roscoe and of course i was kind of like you know my mind was blowing when i found out he wasn't technically welsh and a lot of people i think didn't know that into that podcast um 
And uh, so I think Keir Warner is now take, taking that role on um, <laughs> as, be, as being, num- you know. Um, but uh, And he recalls you being his kind of almost publicity agent during COVID. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did yeah. wonder if you were, if you needed, actually he did mention to me, we yeah. might need to get you to fill in a declaration of interest or conflict of interest because he, he's convinced you were getting some sort of payment around the matter. Door for <laughs> yeah, no, sadly not. I really like Mark because he's got just... Um, He's got such a dry sense of humour. It just makes me laugh. Um, that was a crazy period, wasn't it? Because Mark, you know, we had, I was, you know, like we, we got Mark on, you know, he was on Channel 4 News, Channel 5 News. He was in all the major national newspapers. He was on BBC Radio. Um, you know, they even had him on Channel 4 News, even had him on their e- big evening news thing where they have the yeah. big, huge, big screen on that takes up most of your telly. He was almost the voice of NHS procurement, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And and do you know what? Mark, you know, ever so grateful for Mark during that period because one of the worst things if you're working in communications is when you've got people who need a quick turnaround. Can I talk to someone this afternoon? Which obviously was usually the case. Can I speak to someone for the evening news? Can you speak to someone? He, he, or even though he's obviously like phenomenally busy, um, he always managed to make himself available. He managed to just about. Um, make every commitment that was mm-hmm. asked of us, you know, at that time from the national yeah, broadcasters. Fantastic. So um, just before we move into the Desert Island supply cast bit, I just wanted to ask you one kind of a slightly more serious question. Mm. So if you gave one bit of advice to anyone in, in the profession at the moment, what do you think that would be? What's the one thing you've learned, maybe? To people in the, what advice would I give people? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't be so bold because everyone seems to be so good at what they do. But what I would do is, I suppose what I would say is saying that, I don't know if it's advice, but I would say that everyone I think should be very proud of being in um, procurement, in NCS procurement, should be very proud, um, you know, proud of what's been achieved over the last couple of years, proud of the kind of commitment that me as an outsider coming in over the last two years has seen you know, that commitment to the role, that vocational zeal. Uh, I think everyone should be very proud. Yeah, I so I think even in those moments where it, it, the pressure's on and it might be too, you know, it might be a, you know, a down day or whatever, just be proud that you're doing a hugely important job, which now has record, recognition as well, and that you're doing, you know, a job that has a, a, a significant wider influence. Yeah, as a huge no, I, impact. That's what very, I would say. Very kind of you to say that. I, yeah, yeah, I think that's I, what I would. That, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't like to give advice. But I think I would say that, um, you know, in those moments where it feels, I'm sure there's lots of moments like that at times, especially the last couple of years, where it feels like, you know, this is really tough, or you know, the pressure's too much, or, or those kinds of things. Um, <laughs> is just to just, you know, just be proud of what proud of what you're doing because you're doing an incredible job, and the commitment is is extraordinary. Lovely sentiment. Yeah, very well thought. So we move on to the final bit of the HCSA that of the, of the supply cast. I'm certain through the 50 or so supply cast you've run for us at HCSA, you must have had a bit of a thought ahead of this. So um, I hope you've maybe done a bit of fact checking, back bit of checking back on the records when you've given away what some of your interests might have been. So we're in the desert island supplies bit. So it's no surprise to you. Um, I definitely hope it hasn't struck any fear into you. Um, so 
I guess you, you kind of know the format, luxury yeah. item, album, film. So let's mm. start. What, what luxury item would you take to the desert island? Luxury item. I'm going to keep to the rules and actually have an inanimate item. Otherwise, I'd take my, my kids because they tend to sort of keep me sane most of the time. So I think I'd have a much better chance of getting through my time on the on the island. However, sticking to you've got, intended, you've got to be on your own, unfortunately. What the intended rule, what the intended rules were, probably take my my uh, PlayStation Five <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I would probably take my PlayStation Five because I can. I'm being practical here because I can watch and a particular game. I can watch Ralph oh, FIFA. FIFA. Yeah. yeah, I love sports. And they'd still deliver the each year update, would they? Yeah, one comes out each each year. I think the one coming out this year is actually going to be the last one, which is a bit sort of a earth shattering uh, development in my life. <laughs> uh, so I like that, and I like the hockey games, the ice hockey games, the hockey games. Um, so I, 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 and the UFC games. I do a lot of like I like sports simulations, and and FIFA is is sort of my. Um, one I, I get to relax what doing FIFA. so i would take my ps5 because also thinking ahead i'd also be able to play music and uh, watch films you know so yeah it's kind of practical. nicely segue practical yeah nicely segue so whilst you're sitting there having having your playstation playing on a bit of fifa turn the volume down and, and mm. you're going to pick your album mm. to play in the background while you're there what would what would your album be Do you know it's quite it's quite tricky because I, you know there's quite a lot of genres that I, that I like. I'm not really someone that has a particular type of one type of music that I like. Um, I have always quite liked bands like Sex Pistols and Green Day, etc. Bands like that. Um, but I'm I'm not sure that that would be ideal on Desert Island. I think you might need something a little bit more chilled, you know, and less frantic. I'd mm. probably go for something like. Um, I also like a lot of electronic music synth and you know that kind of musical alchemy type stuff so i'd either go for something like aphex twin or there's i was thinking about it it's just three bands in my head london grammar the national and future islands i know london um, grammar a bit more than i know the other two yeah so i'd probably take london grammar uh first album because that also has a cover version of a a song called night call by an artist called Kavinsky, who I'm also a big fan of. So I'd be sort of crossing two things. So I'd probably take, probably take their debut album in 2013, I think it was. I like that. I like that. So you've got London Glamour playing in the background. You're mm. sitting there with your PlayStation board, chilling out <laughs> on the beach. So rather than having a bit of Green Day and a bit of heavy rock, jumping yeah, up and yeah, down, yeah. you're you kind of getting stuff. Although, although these football games often have more heavy rock sort of metal background tracks. Um, so where they, are you going to get it with the... Yeah, you do. Um, I suppose, like, yeah, I was kind of, like, quite into sort of urban punk when I was sort of younger, which is why I still like those sorts of bands. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the soundtracks actually on FIFA are usually very good. They've actually had things like The National on them. Yeah. So a lot of the music on there... I, I like, you know, and even You're getting double albums. I know we're gonna have to, we're yeah, gonna have to look at the rule book here. <laughs> so you have to pull this one out. So, so you've got you've got your PlayStation. So you're listening to your music, you got your game, and you can also take your film. And I know yeah. you're an avid film buff, don't you? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. yeah, I am. Yeah. Come on, what yeah, film yeah. are you gonna take? Jaws. Jaws. The, the remake. It's actually just back out, isn't it? They're putting the new one out. IMAX on IMAX, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They've, they've done an IMAX version. It's, that's coming out. Um. Jaws is my favourite film. My, my favourite two films are probably Blade Runner and Jaws. 
And, the original uh, Blade Runner, not the re- rehash. Uh, I mean, I'd love the sequel as well. It'd be one of my favourite films as well, the Blade Runner 2049 as well. I absolutely love that movie. Um, but yeah, Jaws and Blade Runner are my favourite films, but Jaws is probably my favourite film. Uh, it's a film I can watch over and over again. I was a bit worried that it's an odd choice for Desert Island because you're going to be spending a lot of time <laughs> in the ocean. Yeah, it's not so, going <laughs> to... Yeah, you're definitely not going to leave the island knowing that stress might be level, Stress levels might be a little bit higher because of my film. But uh, yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely take Jules, hundred percent. So we got, we got PlayStation with a bit of yeah. FIFA gaming and, yeah. and some sort of sports. You've got your London Grammar, their first album, and our film Jaws. So you'll never get off this desert island. You'll be there yeah. for a day. I'll be there. And yeah. Sounds like a, sounds like a good set to bring. Thanks very much for that, Bruce. Like those. I'm going to ask you what extra though. So, um, oh, bit naughty. Well, we're going to add a little one because it's the fiftieth bit of celebration. We're breaking the rules. We've let you. We've let you take a PlayStation with multiple games. So uh, we've broken the rules already. If you had to eat one meal on your desert island for the rest of your life, what would it be? Do you know what I love? Burgers, like restaurant burger. You know, like fresh made burger, cheese, pickles. Brioche bun, lettuce. Brioche bun, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think I'd have that and like some sort of like, um, you know, like sort of triple cooked chips. Well, look, that- Bruce, I think we're going to have to wrap yeah. up, but we've been, been going. It's been an absolute delight talking to you. Uh, it always and is. You too. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> I wish we could do it more. I'm looking forward to doing it with you at conference along with lots yeah. of other colleagues. Thanks for your time with Supplycast. Thanks for putting yourself out there and doing this with us. It's sincerely no appreciated. It's been nice on our part hopefully to turn the tables on you a little bit i hope you've enjoyed it yeah um and i suspect if we took a few a vote on host i suspect that people are probably quite glad i'll be stepping down after this one one for a and we'll hand over to you again you did a a brilliant job i'm very grateful thank you (laughs) on a personal level i just want to say a massive thanks for everything you do for hsa i do think you've really helped raise the profile of the profession which is the most important thing helping us get procurement higher up that that visibility chain more acknowledged to use your words and um and certainly better respected for what we do so thanks it's really appreciated that concludes the episode thank you that concludes the episode for the hcsa supply cast i hope you will join bruce when he returns for the next one goodbye bye